All right, we are accepting calls this hour from time travelers only. If you have traveled in time or you are presently a traveler to this time, then we want to hear from you. Otherwise, the phone lines are closed, but for that group, they are certainly open. Uh, with that in mind, uh, top of the morning to you on the wild card line. You are on the air. Hello. Hello. This is the Infinite Fringe, all the way from the Bronx, New York City. What is going on? My name is Billy Ray Valentine, Billy the Kid. Uh, greetings and blessings uh, wherever you are to you and yours, you know, and, and thank you for tuning in yet again to what we do here, this thing between us, between you and I, you know, uh, uh, thank you. And uh, we have a very fascinating conversation. We've been trying to get this done for months at this point, but here it is. You know, and you know, I say that often because, you know, I, I always have scheduling issues. I always have tech issues. Technology hates me, but we figure it out. We figure it out at the end of the day and we get it done. And, and I was willing to get on a plane and go all the way down to the other side of the world, to, to the bottom of, of, of the world. At least that's what we're told. All right. Where my, my guest is to interview him if this didn't work out. I was going to freaking do it. Uh, trust me, and it's well worth it. All right, I heard this gentleman on Charlie Robinson's podcast. Actually, we have a big announcement involving Charlie Robinson that I'm going to break here on the podcast in just a little bit. But first, I want to introduce our guest. It's 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 for his first time. It's not the first time I talked to him, but it's his first time on the podcast. His maiden voyage on the Infinite Fringe, and I think it's going to be one of many. I really like this guy. I, I heard him on Charlie's podcast and I was like, I got to get this guy on. So I reached out to Charlie and he hooked it up. And um, here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Dennis O'Connor, Awakening in Health. I am so excited to talk to you, right? Because uh, not only do, do I resonate with your message, but and we're going to talk about the placebo effect today. And we're going to jump around to different uh, uh, um, subjects that intertwine with the placebo effect and what that means for humanity, right? But I, I, I always say that we are more than what we think we are, and we are more than what we are presently doing, right, than the present state of humanity. We're way more than that. We can do so much more, in my humble opinion. And the placebo effect kind of lends itself to that, to that theory, but we will talk about it. Dennis, thank you for being here. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. You're a busy man. Uh, you're, you're made in voyage here. What's up, sir? Say what's up to the people. 
Hello, uh, Billy's audience. Billy, I'm loving your energy at the moment. Uh, you, you're kind of uh, bringing that energy that uh, looks like it's going to be an absolutely great conversation. So, yeah, I love it when, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're doing that interaction with people and you, you feel that little bit of a vibe and that little bit of a connection there. So uh, good stuff. Uh, I'm really looking forward to having a bit of a chat with you. Ah, man, it's going to be amazing, dude. And, and you know, when, um, when I was listening, I don't listen to very many podcasts anymore. I used to listen to a ton of them, right? I used to subscribe to a lot. I listen to Charlie. I think Charlie's really good, you know? And he always has fascinating guests on. And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, this guy, I, I, I rarely reach out to him to ask for a guest, you know? But, but I heard you and I was like, I got to talk to this guy. I have to. And you dropped a lot of great information over there on macroaggressions. And, and we're going to rehash some of that here today. But we're going to take it a step further. We're going to go a little bit further on, uh, like, I, like I said before. But tell the people a little bit about who you are, what you do, you know, and, and then we'll, we'll ease ourselves into the placebo effect and explain that and go from there. What's up, buddy? Sure. Listen, I, I, I guess uh, my, what stood me in fairly good stead is uh, you can tell by the accent there. I'm, I'm not from uh, Australia. I'm from a place called Ireland. Um, Ireland and uh, Boston have a bit of a close connection, as you probably know. The Italians and the Irish kind of got around <laughs> a right. fair bit uh, a little while back. So, so we, you know, a bit, a little bit like you know, a lot of your listeners there. We've got this um, probably a, a, almost an anti-authoritarian edge to us, and a little bit of a of a never say die attitude as well. Um, and I think that's kind of stood me in fairly good stead. But my, my uh, start in health was I actually trained to be a nurse in uh, in the 90s. Yeah. And I went from Ireland to England. And um, I kind of fell pretty quickly into doing intensive care nursing. And uh, because there's not a lot of people who are comfortable and confident in that area, you, you tend to get up the ladder fairly quickly. So within a few years, three or four years, I was um, teaching people about ventilators and teaching doctors teaching nurses so I, I and I got very senior there and uh for a lot of different reasons which I didn't really appreciate at the time now I've got a very different context and I got fairly burned out so I, I ended up leaving nursing for four or five years got into uh into actually selling property I became a scuba diver instructor as well and I lost a lot of money in about 2013 when the market crashed out about four properties and um that really kind of got me questioning the whole structure of the world and, and the world under which we live and i just had this question where did all my bloody money go i i was really getting quite quite well set up for my retirement and that was kind of grabbed away and i kind of fell into just looking at a little bit of things in relation to cryptocurrency and a lot of your cryptocurrency people are very um, anti-authoritarian as well and they kept on dropping these bombs about 9-11 and this and that and and uh, you know even health yeah. And uh, it got to the stage where I just couldn't ignore some of the stuff that these pe these people were dropping. And around that same time, I got back into health. I got back into more of the psychiatry area. So I did um, acute care, which is really the, the top level of psychiatry. You're talking about suicides and acute schizophrenia, violent patients. I did jobs going around with the police, picking up people who were trying to kill themselves, uh, you know, looking at people standing on the edge of roofs, just about to jump, trying to, jump, trying to talk them down. We're, we're talking about some fairly high level stuff was involved in drug and alcohol programs in the court system yeah. and uh, it got to the point where probably about four or five years ago now I ended up having very robust conversations discussions if not proper you know uh, verbal fights with consultant psychiatrists about antidepressant medication and the more you have to I guess uh, 
place yourself in a, in a position of, of knowing what you're talking about, the more research you have to do, the more digging you have to get, because you have to kind of back up what you're saying. Right. And uh, it got to the stage, the more I dug into antidepressants in particular, the more horrific the information and the research behind them was. And to cut a long story short, and I don't say this just superficially, I say this with a lot of research and a lot of digging, um, antidepressants are absolutely poisonous. They are harmless. And in the long, in the long run, they're probably going to kill you. So anybody out there, if you're if you're taking these medications, they are not going to help. And there's a fellow from London called uh, Professor uh, Irving Kirsch, who's done incredible work around something called the placebo effect. And he actually mm -hmm. used antidepressants as his study for the placebo effect. And if you look at his research, um, it turns out that the that the 100% of the effect of antidepressants is actually the placebo effect. And the thing about the placebo effect, it's criticized in medicine. It's, we're told oh, it's, it's like this um, inconvenience. It, it messes up results. It messes up studies. But when you actually mm. look into the placebo effect, it probably is the most important part of health. It can heal cancer. It can heal anything. It anything. can heal broken bones. Right. So we should be centered in on the placebo effect as a modality for making people better, which is where... I've very firmly tangented from now. I've left the mainstream medical system. And when I see clients, this is this is the avenue I'm pushing people towards. Now, explain the placebo effect. I think a lot of people know what it is, right? But just in case, just gotcha. lay, lay out the basics of what it is. We've, we've known about the placebo effect since we, we've even in uh, ancient Egypt, we can see references to the placebo effect in hieroglyphs. So this is nothing new. This is this is a system that's 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 historic. In 17th century, we can see writings from poets and from uh, from different authors and, and people writing books about the placebo effect and about the things they use. But the placebo effect in its kind of modern iteration came about in 19 in World War One. Okay, as World War II, my apologies, um, in Europe. And there was a, an English doctor called uh, Dr. Henry Beecher, who uh, had to do all sorts of gruesome surgeries in the field. And at the worst time possible, you've got bodies laying everywhere, people screaming in agony. He had to do an amputation and he ran out of morphine. And he was going to tell this, this soldier who, who you know, needed emergency surgery on the field, I've got no morphine. We're going to have to do this with, without pain relief. And the nurse who was assisting him leaned over in front of him and she picked, she had a, a little vial of saline solution. And she said to the soldier, she said, here, I've got your morphine. I'm giving it to you now. And Beecher, kind of being ethical, was going to stop her and say, hey, man, this is wrong. She delivered the morphine and the soldier relaxed like he had a hit of morphine. And Beecher was able to do the surgery and this soldier didn't feel any pain. Wow. And Beecher was blown away. So he started this this uh, almost lifelong then journey to the study of the placebo effect. And it's because of him that every single medication in the world now is tested against a placebo. There's a caveat to that, by the way, which is not actually accurate. But uh, the general idea is all medications, when we, when we invent them, have to be tested. If they don't do as good as a placebo effect, they are thrown in, in the bin. If they do better than the placebo effects, they're called they're they're said to be effective. Right. Wow. Wow. You know, and um, th that's a fascinating story, right? And, and it, it lends itself. It, it's like like pregnant with so many ideas. That story, right? Because if if you were able to give a guy saline and he thought it was freaking morphine, right? And you do an entire an entire operation. And it works. What does this mean? Now, 
It works for some people and for some people it does not. Right. And, and uh, we can, we can talk about that as to why that is actually that I do want to know your opinion on that, but I think it has a lot to do with, uh, and I could be very wrong. This is my, my novel opinion, my novice opinion. I'm sorry. Like, you know, and, and please correct me. But uh, I, I think it has a lot to do with the power of the mind and how open someone is in their belief of what they're getting. And I, I think it's different levels. Some people are, are, are skeptical and therefore it doesn't take hold as much as it would in a person that's fully in, that fully subscribes to what you're being told. Does that make any sense? It does. Listen, how, how, how deep do you want to go here, Billy? Go as deep as you <laughs> Cause, want, sir. Cause, yeah, cause man, this, this, this gets fairly deep. Okay. Another, another thing that's, uh, that overlaps with, um, with, uh, with a lot of the things that I do is, is uh, looking at water and water is one of the most profound things that you can imagine. I just thought it was hydrogen oxygen. It's not water mm -hmm. is like a, a, a quantum computer. It is one of the most interesting things you can think of. Okay. So we, we know from various different experiments that the placebo effect is not just in the mind there's an external force mm. that seems to exist when it comes to the placebo effect okay and the other thing is that different everybody's different so there's different i guess effects that happen in relation to the placebo effect and the person who's getting exposed to it okay and this fellow i mentioned before professor kirsch had some incredible studies where for example if you give a blue placebo it has a calming effect. If you give a red placebo, it has a, a, a lifting up effect. If you have the name of the placebo you're giving really complex, the placebo effect works better. Mm. If you give the placebo as an injection, it works better again. If you have to pay more for it, so in other words, if I charge you 10 bucks for you know, a water injection and call it a sophisticated name, it might work well, but if you've got to pay 10 grand for it, it'll have a massively greater effect on you and the most powerful placebo effect happens to be an operation placebo effect and we got a couple of different instances of this we had um from memory in around the 1980s um a, a mammary artery operation that was getting performed for angina angina is a is a it's when you we're told that it's when the blood vessels of your heart constrict and you get chest pain. Okay. It's a cardiac mm -hmm. condition. Right. And in around the seventies, all the way through that kind of period, there was thousands of operations getting performed in America of mammary arteries getting ripped out of your chest to fix this problem. And this one, I guess, rebel surgeon took a group of patients and I can't remember the, the, the study the amount of people in this group, but half of them, he cut their skin and didn't do the operation and told them that he did it. And they fared better than the ones that had the operation. So because of him, America now is not getting exposed to hundreds of thousands of operations that were useless. These wow. operations were useless. These hospitals, anesthetists, um, you know, private entities were making millions and millions and millions on a useless surgery. And something similar happened in Canada, I think, in uh, in the early 2000s with um, arthroscopies. That's there where you kind of stick little cameras and little machines into flesh and on knee surgery. And another doctor came along and he basically just cut the skin, told these patients that they had had the arthroscopies on their knees. And they did at least as well, if not better than the people who had the actual procedure. 
So we actually know that, that that surgical placebo has an extremely powerful and profound effect. Okay. Now we also have these other arbitrary kind of conversations in relation to the power of prayer. So we have religious institutes, they're always trying to back up, uh, you know, the fact that God might be real or their deity is the real one, et cetera, et cetera. But the, 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 the Catholicism kind of side of things has put a lot of money into looking at these things. And we know that if you have somebody who knows they're getting prayed for in a hospital setting, they recover quicker. Right. Now, the bizarre thing happens is people even recover quicker if they don't know they're getting prayed for. Mm. Okay, so right. there seems to be these 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 external forces that have an effect on our healing and our well-being. So to to pigeonhole the placebo effect as just being in your mind is inaccurate. It's mm. actually wrong. There's even things called an open placebo, and an open placebo means if I'm a doctor, I say to you, okay, Billy, you know you've got this chronic pain. We can't do anything with it. I'm going to tell you about the placebo effect, and I'm going to give you water. And we're going to pretend the water is a, is a drug that can fix your pain. So you know that you're getting a placebo and it still works. <laughs> so we've got these, these fascinating journeys and, and, and thing, pieces we can put together with the placebo effect. But just to, you know, modern science, and we've seen this certainly in the last three years, tries to tell us that it has the answer for everything. It simply does not. You know, to be honest with you, modern science is we talk about these peer reviewed journals, for example. And all that means is that you write a, a story. And if the people who are running the science don't agree with you, your story doesn't get published. So you're stuck in a funnel. The real true investigations come from people talking outside of the mainstream science and making these discoveries. This is where we know all, where all good science comes from. And the, the placebo effect is similar. The placebo effect is a medical inconvenience, okay? If we know that we can cure all pain with a little vial of water, holy shit, imagine what that does to the to the pain relief industry, especially when you look at things like OxyContin, which is destroying your country at the moment. It's horrific. Do you think that it's malicious what, that they're turning their back? I mean, obviously, it's not a good thing. Right. But do you think that they are doing it for and by they, I mean, the establishment, right, that that they poo poo the placebo effect or don't don't give it um, uh, the the proper amount of research it deserves. Right. Don't give it the time it deserves. Uh, do you think that's malicious or do you think we've just been programmed to to look at it as if it doesn't merit our our attention that it's nonsense that it's uh you know uh what is it um you know pseudoscience there's a few angles to that and one of the i say in relation to health people cannot be effective health practitioners unless they know the history of finance the history of money and the 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 um general history as we're given it and when you start poking in holes in that when you see the holes in that and the, the falsities in the narrative then things start making some sense to you um, in relation to looking at the history of money and commerce, corporations have what's called a fiduciary responsibility. So they are actually entities. And it's, they, we're kind of tangenting off now uh, uh, in an area called common law. And, and some knowledge of common law is, is, is absolutely mind-blowing when you start digging it. So a fiduciary um, agreement means that as a corporation, you're, you have your duty bound to make money. Okay, mm -hmm. so when we have, uh, let's say, different drugs being put out there, 
it is absolutely contrary to the fiduciary agreement to have the placebo effect in the mix. So whether it's malicious or not, um, it is contraindicated to profits to bring the placebo up. Now, before the last three years or four years in relation to what we've seen happening around the world, I would have thought that there were more, um, I guess, mechanical things in play to cause what the, the the horrific nature of the medical industry. But mm-hmm. in the last three years, Billy, I'm absolutely convinced that uh, there is malicious attent- intent against humanity. Uh, these uh, people who are pulling all the strings of the world, there is no uh, fiduciary benefit in having a well population, okay? You mm-hmm. want people coming back for the rest of their lives and your business grows. So the bean counters know this. Um, I actually think that the people who own these companies um, are our enemies. I think they're trying to they're trying to kill us. Uh, I had um, a couple of uh, of people on the show, Mr. John Brissom, Mr. Mark Kulak, say hello to them. Uh, hey and, guys, <laughs> and and Mark seems to think that um, a lot of the stuff that's going on, in particular the vaccine, right, uh, for for COVID. Um, but it's not it's not um, ex- uh, it's not exclusive to that. Right. It it, it branches out his theory that. Um, you know, here in the alternative media, we talk about the mass, ex- you know, the mass. Uh, trying to quell the, the population. Right. And, and uh, eugenics. So uh, he doesn't necessarily subscribe to that. He says that we are. Uh, guinea pigs, pretty much, that we are under a peachy dish to, you know, to, to put it lightly, right? <laughs> that we are experimented on, uh, and that's what what uh, the controllers or the elite, whatever you want to call them, that that's what they seek to do, right? And uh, do do you think that's uh, that there's an an element of that going on today in the medical industry? To be honest with you, I, I probably wouldn't fully agree with that. And we, we again, if you look at if you look at history in general, especially the history of medicine, um, there's there's a very good book. I'm thinking it's called The Mind Game, and it's by a fellow called uh, Day. I think is is the author's name, and he puts and again he he's, he he put together a lot of things that I actually was familiar with, but he put them in a beautiful kind of sequential manner. Yeah. And he looks at people who are writing from about the 18th century, the middle of the 18th century onwards. And there is very much a theme when you look at some of these uh, very high profile, high level authors of a them and us. And the them think there's too many of us mm-hmm. and they want to get rid of us. They want to exterminate us. They want to depopulate us. And when we look at, let's say, mRNA technology in these jabs. To have us as an experiment doesn't quite fit but for them to know that these things put it, are being put into our system that can cause poison or sterility or infertility, which they do, we get huge collections of spike proteins in our reproductive organs, the, the depopulation really fits strongly with mm-hmm. the information that I'm looking at and with what I'm seeing. Then you add into that these attacks on masculinity, this is something I'm very passionate about, of uh, you know, uh, men are bad. Elevate feminism, oh. transgender stuff, the the hormone blockers that are seeping from plastics, the the poisons in our water, the chemicals that we're cooking with, the detergents in our skin. All these things have hormonal um, pro- ho- hormonal um, blocking Effects, properties. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I, I it to me, 
they're just isolated. Maybe you could just give it a, hey, it's a coincidence. But collectively, the, these attacks on our hormones are... So with all these things that are happening with the, with the pollution of our water, with the sport poisoning, the spraying of our foods, with the 5G, for example, all these things seem to be, it, it's isolated. Maybe you could just throw the ball out there and say, maybe it's a coincidence, but collectively, I cannot see with all these things coming together that there is not a concerted effort to attack humanity by these people who feel that they are running the world and they feel that we're useless eaters. Right. Right. Um, no, absolutely, man. Um, there is evidence that points in that direction for sure. Right. And um, where, where I stand, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to gather information and, and, and make up my mind one way or another. But I mean, it seems like we're being attacked on all levels here. Um, I, I tend to think that a, a lot of the things that we're experiencing as humans nowadays is due to the artificial nature of our reality at this point. I think that has a lot to do with, um, you know, the, the attack on our hormones or the, the rise in pediatric cancer or something like a myocarditis coming up, you know, popping up out of nowhere, all of a sudden, not out of nowhere, but it was thrust into, uh, the consciousness of the mainstream after the vaccine came out. Right. Cause so many people were coming down with myocarditis, you know? So I think the artificial nature of what we're doing here, uh, is while while it provides comfort and it provides a convenience, it's a double-edged sword and it can provide uh, things that aren't necessarily the best for the human condition. And when I think about the placebo effect, it seems as the more natural way of doing things. Now, I don't, I, I can't even pretend to understand to figure it out right and i don't know why it works for some and why it works for others i i already tried to tell you what i thought anyway you know but i i do think that all humans can heal themselves i think we were born with that ability it's innate for humans to be able to do it well maybe not necessarily innate but we we're supposed to be able to do it and somehow we've forgotten how to do that right or or and and uh it's not in the best interest of of those that are running things to remind us, right? That hey, you can you can heal yourself, right? And there are examples of the placebo effect that mainstream science does take seriously, or at least they put out there. I don't want to completely poo-poo it because there are some that do take it seriously, but most don't. But if the placebo effect is a thing, if it's real, what does this mean for humanity? You understand, like, what does it mean if we can heal ourselves on anything, pretty much, right? If you can give me a water and tell me, listen, this is going to cure whatever you got going on, and then it happens, you know? What does it mean for humanity or the power of prayer, right? Meditation, somebody else is praying for you, and you don't believe, but you're still better off than people that aren't being prayed for, you know? And this is this is something that, We've seen, you know, we, we can we can point to cases where this is a thing. People have ran studies on this. So it's it's not like we're popping up with this out of the blue. In your opinion, what does this mean for humanity? There's a lot to go into there. So another thing that kind of fascinates me a little bit, and I don't pretend to be an expert here. I'm kind of a, a little bit of a backyard researcher, I guess, is the the idea of uh, quantum mechanics. 
And when we think that more than 99% of everything that we perceive as solid is actually empty space, this really throws a big curveball into how we consider that life in general working. Right. And essentially, this, this package that I'm sitting in, this meat package here, um, this is just an antenna for me to make sense of what's around me, for me to work out that there is um, solidity, that there's mass. It's a way for me to navigate whatever this realm is. And essentially, if you, if you really break things down to the smallest particle, um, there's, there's a thing called the Rayleigh equation. And the mm -hmm. Rayleigh equation quite simply means that if you've got something smaller than a photon, you're not going to be able to see it. And the reason for that is photons make up light. Okay. So if you're breaking the, the, the structure of light up, it means you cease to see because we use light to see. Okay. Right. So, so a photon on, on, an, on a quantum scale is, is very, very tiny, but we have what are called um, subatomic particles, which are even smaller, but we can't see them. We have to look for their shadow, for their imprint um, in, 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 uh, in, in the way we're visualizing them. Okay? And the reason that's important is because when we think of seeing subatomic particles, it's actually inaccurate. We have never seen a subatomic particle. Right. Because we can't, because of the Rayleigh equation. Okay, now you might think, what's this crazy Irish fellow going on about this stuff uh, for? But we we then can refer to something called the double slit experiment, and the double slit experiment is very very important. And I'm, I'm, it's it's a little bit hard to explain without um, graphics or without drawing, so I'm not going to really get into it. But essentially, what happens at the double ex split experiment is something called the observer effect. And if you don't look at things on a quantum level, they stay in wave form. And if you look at them and observe them, they collapse into particle form. It's one of the most incredible things. So what this means is that the, the act of just looking, of just observing, changes things on a quantum level. Mm. Now, now you can see where we're going in relation to the placebo effect. Not having knowledge of how this quantum structure works means that you could never affect it. But maybe having knowledge of how this works means we have the possibility of affecting us. And this is where we come into belief. And belief is very much centered around the placebo effect. Now, we're going to park the placebo effect just here for a second. And to really accentuate how important this discussion is, we cannot have that discussion about the placebo effect unless we talk about something called the nocebo effect. And this is something I stumbled on maybe about 10-ish years ago. And the nocebo effect is mind-blowing. And to it's this has been documented again in, in mainstream Western research. And I might have even brought this up on Charlie's show as well. But um, that we've got two medical papers, both from decades ago, two different countries, two separate cases of two different patients. They both happen to be actually about liver disease. And both of these people went to their doctors. They were diagnosed with liver cancer. They were given, let's say, six months to live. Mm. Specifically within that period of six months, almost to the day, both people died as predicted by the doctor. Okay? Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Both had autopsies. Guess what? Neither of them had liver cancer. I want you to think about that for a second. Neither of them had liver cancer. Wow. The diagnosis, or what I call medical hexing, made them 
manifest what they thought liver cancer would be or could be. Okay. Yeah. Now this has really, really profound effects for us and our health because every time you walk across the threshold to go and see a doctor because you have a symptom or you have something that's wrong and the doctor comes up with a reason for it, let's say he's wrong and you are manifesting these these waves or these 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 conditions if you fully take on board this this witchcraft this medical hexing Oof. and the doctor says you have a depression or you have an anxiety or you have a bowel cancer or you have an arthritis or you have a this or this or this guess what there's a small chance actually more than a small chance there's a reasonable chance that even if you didn't have what that doctor says you can manifest it and you can die Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's really good to look at the polarity of the placebo effect by talking about the nocebo effect, because now what we have is the importance of knowing how the opposite works. And it adds so much more weight to being interested in how the placebo itself works. What does that say about the, su the suggestibility of mankind? What well, is it? Here's the thing. Is, is it suggestibility or is it witchcraft? Is it spelling? Let's go back to the quantum, the, the, the quantum uh, mechanics idea right. where everything is possibly waveform. It's not solid. So this is why we, I don't think it's any coincidence that uh, when we look at how we form words, it's called spelling. Right. What does a witch do or a, a wizard do? They cast spells. Our, our sound that we're coming from here is emitting waves every single time. Okay. There's a, a guy I really love listening to. Um, I'll, I'll give him a shout out. At, but he, he he hits things at such a high level, I can barely understand 20% of what he says. He's a Dr. Okay. Jack Cruz. Okay. Right. And he's got this particular fascination with light. And he describes uh, experiments where all our body parts are emitting light all the time. Yeah. And interestingly, he uh, points out to a paper that shows that the parts of the body that emit the most light, even this is this is outside of the light that's coming towards us. This is actually what we're producing ourselves. The, the parts of the body that emit the most light are your tongue and your sexual organs. Hmm. So this even adds more credibility or power to the fact that what I'm doing now, which is moving my tongue in this really kind of sophisticated fashion and emitting these waves, even through the airwaves, is having way more effects than we actually appreciate. It's not just this thing called sound. There's a lot more going on. You're creating, right? We're creating. You're creating. So um, when God in, in Genesis said, let there be light, he spoke it into existence, right? <laughs> yes. And, and shouts to Jordan Maxwell. Um, Love this guy. <laughs> that's what i remember when you were talking about spelling may he rest in peace yeah. uh you know he would tell me uh and, and i just had a conversation with tony arterburn about this so shouts to tony but he would he would tell me whenever i had jordan on the show he's like billy it's spelling it's spelling it's a spell billy like it's right in front of your face you know and uh, and i'd be like wow i, I can't um can't argue with that as far as as far as the English language goes, but yeah, like we, you know, and and that gets into the quote unquote new age, right? And and uh, how I think it's a way to to poo poo what we can actually do by by making it seem as if it's evil or nonsense. Um, we can create, we can mold this reality, 
you know, um, to what level? I don't know. Um, but I think our creator gave us the ability to do this and we are not living up to it. You know, even though we do it on a subconscious level in my, well, if you believe it's in the mind, like I said, I'm new to this. It might be external. I don't know. So please excuse my ignorance. Okay. I'm <laughs> speaking out of oh, ignorance. No. You're, you're, ask, you're right. asking the right questions, Billy. And and this is the important thing. If you, if we never knew any of this, this, right. uh, this uh, information, we would never have the, the potential. It could be a random accident. If we know this information, all of a sudden we start to open that door where we can have the potential. Right, 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 right. You know, so, so when, and I call it suggestibility, right? But you call it, you know, casting a spell. Maybe it's semantics. I don't know. We, I think we're thinking about the same thing. You know, um, maybe we're, we're you know, casting a spell. You know, uh, wh why are we, are, are, are humans, um, how do I say it? Um, b besides saying suggestible, how, how I don't know, I don't know how to say it. I'm losing the words. How is it possible to implant an idea in someone's head and then it takes root and actually become something when it wasn't there to begin with? And this has happened in my life, so I know it is true. I, I know it to be true from personal experience. It is a real phenomenon. That's Listen, that's that's very interesting what you're saying there. I think it's much bigger than suggestibility. And mm -hmm. I think that by our psychiatrists and our psychologists mm -hmm. and these these leaders we have in the brain area, they deliberately put these more esoteric concepts into a box to explain it right. and i think what we have to be aware of it's some of this stuff is unexplainable and if we kind of pigeonhole things and box things up it means that we're we are blocking their potential and i think the way i might put it and i'm really talking off the cuff here without just um on the back of what you're saying so so i might even have to evolve this thinking based on your question <laughs> but i think the this the, this suggestibility for me is the start of that door opening and so that you use the suggestibility to give you the platform to jump into some of this more profound information that we have so i might suggest to you that we do have magic that we that we can cast spells that we can have the placebo effect right. that we can heal and then now you know it's possible so then you start looking for mechanisms about how to make that possibility happen. So the suggestibility sits here. Then if you are looking at doing your meditation or if you're looking at the power of sunlight or if you're looking at believing in a deity or saying prayers or, or having love or, or, or focusing on gratitude, these things shift energy in different ways magnetically both towards you and away from you. They can protect you. They can harm you. So there's a lot more than just a suggestibility I'm putting forward that once you realize this can happen, you can actually use mechanisms to increase or decrease how this energy flows around you. And this actually beautifully gets back to the work that I do. I feel that there is a massive link between eliminating that toxicity from your body in order to get these waveform mechanics working in your favor. So detoxifying, getting rid of processed foods, eliminating sugar, getting in the sun, connecting with the earth, um, 
my, my feelings are that if you're trying to do those things, you are amplifying your chances of being able to tap into that beauty, um, that, that power, that magic. I, I totally agree with you. Totally 100% agree with you, right? I, I think if we get back to nature a little bit more, get back to the root of things, we may be a lot better off, right? We may be a lot better off. Now, I have this idea in my mind, and I want your opinion on it because you're talking about magic, right? I think magic is real, right? I don't think I know. I know magic is real. But for the sake of argument, I will say that I think, right? I think that magic is real. I also think that magic is just science that we haven't discovered yet. Does that resonate with you or are you, or is it somewhere else? A thousand percent, a thousand percent. And again, just to refer back to the conversation we had just before, this, this I feel, very uh, measured and very calculated direction to take us from magic to explaining everything is another attack on our ability. This idea of eugenics, this idea of depopulation, this idea that we're, we are these insignificant specks of 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 animals that are just uh, you know whizzing around at a million miles an hour on this little rock that kind of accidentally jumped into existence really takes away from us the the concept that we are magic and that we are creators right and as you mentioned before there the belief does boil into this idea of the placebo and of our potential of what we can do so so my feeling is that um that there this push to have us as these insignificant specks floating on this rock, flying through the galaxies that are these accidental little germs who are kind of, uh, you know, getting bigger. I think that that is an attack on the belief system about the potential power that we may have. Yeah. And I feel that if we can ha appreciate that we have this untapped potential, this feeds back into the importance of looking after this corporeal body that we have and trying to get it more on point. So knowing about the, the pesticides, the herbicides, the toxicities, the, the harmful electromagnetic spectrums that we're getting exposed to, blue light screens, it's, it's, a, it's a collective, it's a puzzle. Some people do better on this part of the puzzle, some people do better in the middle of the puzzle. But for me, you're elevating your chances if you pay attention to the whole thing. How do you feel about... Um the the state of the world today as far as technology goes do do you think it's it's um it's doing us more harm than good yeah in short the answer is definitely yes i had a chat with uh with brendan murphy he'd be a cracking guest for you to get on to uh to uh to your show and he i'm really not i'm not familiar it. like uh, link link me up I, i'd love to hear yeah it, he's he's a he's a, a very interesting fella uh, and he goes deeper into this side of things than I do. But I, I hit him with a question which kind of surprised him. And if we think about what I was saying before about the observer effect, in other words, observing something that makes waveform collapse into matter. And I've had this feeling for a good few years of all the cameras that are now in place. We've got cameras in our fridges, on our phones, on the street corners, on the doorbells. Oh, they're, they're absolute GoPros recording everything on our streets, the front and back of the dash cams. This is observing. And my feeling is that this is a deliberate plan to take us away from this waveform magic that we may have by observing everything. 
Okay. We also know that there are a host of experiments on electromagnetic radiation and the effects of that on your mitochondria. And these are really, really small and incredibly important areas of your cells. I'm sitting in a, an electric, electromagnetic soup right now, which is causing harm on certain levels. Now, if I focus too long on that, I'm going to enter into a nocebo effect. Whereas if I focus on my power, I can be protected uh, by that to a certain extent. But one of the most underrated parts of how damaging technology is, is the blue light discussion. Right. And just to kind of uh, flesh that out a little bit, when we wake up in the morning, we use a thing called cortisol, which switches off melatonin. And melatonin kind of rises over the, throughout the day. It should peak at night, then we fall asleep. And melatonin is this fantastic, beautiful, incredible, miraculous component in our bodies that does all sorts of things in relation to healing, even in relation to curing cancer, okay? Cortisol is the component that works against melatonin. And the spectrum of light, which directly stimulates cortisol, is blue light. So we have the majority of the Western population when we need melatonin to be at its working at its at its, I guess its strongest, we have people sitting in front of screens, in front of laptops, in front of computers, in front of televisions that are stimulating cortisol, that are switching off one of the most important chemicals in our bodies. So we don't get this chance to heal, to thrive, to be well. We fall into these areas of stress. We get these chronic diseases. So just the blue, the fluorescent lights are another example. Of, of things overloaded with blue lights, LEDs, the car lights have all changed. So the, the, the significance of blue light stimulation is so, so underrated. And this is really, really killing us. I totally agree, man. I really do. And, and I understand the benefits that come along with all of this, right? And uh, we wouldn't be able to have this conversation, right? If not for this technology. But um, I don't think we know what we're doing. You know, I think it looks like we know what we're doing. And I think on the surface, we we have some understanding of what the surface looks like, but we don't know the long-term effects and we're acting irresponsibly as a species. We're acting like, like immature. We're an immature species and this is why we're doing what we're doing and not understanding. Just, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, listen, uh, Billy, I, I got to say, I, I love I love most of everything you're saying, but I've got to disagree with you on this one. What's up, buddy? Because, because, because it's not us. I feel it's an us and them. And the messages that we're continually getting, the subliminal messages, Coca-Cola is good, uh, play your PlayStation, you'll have ultimate joy if you have the biggest television. We are under attack by messages from, I think, an area of society that doesn't like us. And when you think about the average worker getting to work, you know, with their smartwatch on their wrist, which is also affecting their health, they've got to pay the bills. They've been told they need the television. They're in their electric car. They got the EMFs. These people are stressed. So, and, and this comes, this falls into when I'm talking to people about obesity or depression, people think that, that things like obesity, somebody, those people are to blame for being overweight. They're not. These people are under horrific attack and there are corporate entities, the big boys, the Googles, the, the, the Pepsis, the Coca-Colas the, that are forcing these things into society that are keeping us unwell and keeping us sick. And until you know, if you don't know you're under attack, you can't do anything about it. And then you have doctors that are complicit 
in never spelling this out for people. Hey, you're obese. It's genetic. Hey, you have cancer. It's got nothing to do with the fact that you haven't healed because you're exposed to blue light all day because, uh, you know, your television is good and you're, there's nothing wrong with your phone, blah, blah, blah. So you have this system created up, the allopathic medical system that's complicit with these big boys and keeping us sick to make us money, to make them money and to take our energy away. So do you think that the 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 people in control, do you think they're human or not? Because that, that that's what I'm saying when I say us, right? Because the people that I believe that they're human, right? I believe that these um uh creations and inventions come from humanity. I think it, it comes from us and 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 that's what I mean by us. Sure, it's not the majority of us and and uh, but it is us nonetheless if we if we speak about it in those terms that's what i mean so what exactly gotcha. do you listen i i think for 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 me and i think for some people i know it's it's quite helpful to make that distinction between entities or be our parts of society that are pro-human and anti-human you're not and wrong it's very it's very mm -hmm. possible that the anti-human part of society are in fact human but after these last three, four years, nothing surprises me. It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, these these people are ripping off their their right, their right. their flesh masks and you can see lizards underneath. I'll tell you what, you know, or there's aliens or third dimensional poof or Satan. Who friggin' knows? The for me, the another kind of deep dive down, you know, looking at how I see the world is is the currency of things like pedophilia and and the 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 homage to Satan and Baphomet. Now, whether there really is a Satan or Baphomet, I don't have a clue. Right. But uh, am I convinced that people worship these entities? Absolutely, Absolutely. I am, based on what I've seen. Yeah. So whether that whether that anti-human is actually part of the human race or not, it doesn't really matter. I think there's a very clear divide between a them and an us. And I'm on, I hope, the us side. I want to help people who are dealing with their day-to-day -day things and knowing that there is a side of humanity that's out to get them, I think carries a lot of good context for people to get their arses in gear and right. do something about it. No, I think you make sense. I, th I think it is important to draw a division, right? To, 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 to make the separation, even though like I, I do it all the time with, with the government, whenever the government decides they want to go bomb something somewhere, I mean, a country somewhere, I'm like, that's not us. We didn't do that. They did. Um, even though it's still humanity. So you're absolutely right. So a point taken, we should, we should definitely make uh, a distinction between one I and, the other and just to just to just to add to your point just before right. when you said it's it's like maybe a naivety in humanity um i think that these guys have the science they've been doing this research for a hundred years 120 years 130 years google for example have picked the best psychologists the best scientists in relation to life the best scientists in relation to how our minds work how addiction works yeah and they've picked the cream of the crop. They've been doing this since their inception, which when was it? Maybe in the late 80s or the early 90s. So the fact that they cannot work out, Facebook is another example, algorithms that keep us hooked, that keep us addicted, that the fact that they that this is accidental or naive and not cynical doesn't add up. I feel it's absolutely cynical to keep us sick, to keep us hooked up, to make more profits. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I get where you're coming from. I just think... Uh the best that they have to offer are coming from the wrong place. So they yes. can be the best, but they're not coming from the right place. So good luck. It's not going to, it's not going to result in, in anything that is uh, supposed to elevate uh, the state of humankind. I believe we've been devolving yes. for some time now. Um, so yep. there you go.
Um, and, and, and I would feel that it's a deliberate um, de- devolution by that different part of society to right. keep us away from that magic that we've just had that discussion about. And I believe that that, that we do have that potential. Human beings are, are I think, um, to use that word again, absolutely magical and absolutely incredible. But if you're not aware, one, of that power, and secondly, a structure to harness that power, then you're going to be trapped in that box and you're going to be miserable. You're going to be unhappy. You're going to, you're going to really just, um, I, I guess, struggle for, for that beauty and that love and that gratitude that, that is possible in your life. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I think uh, we're way more than we think we are, you know, than we've been told yes. that, that we are, you know, and we can do a lot more. And that doesn't mean, uh, you know, for, for those out there, like, oh, you want to be God? No, I don't want to be God. I want to be human, right? I want, I want to be human. And, and human is a lot more than what we've been told. Dennis, uh, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic, man. Um, we, we need to come back and do this again at some point. I, I'm telling you, I'm going to have to go down to where you're at and have a full interview <laughs> <laughs> live on the Infinite Fringe, ladies and gents. Dennis, tell everybody where they can find you, buddy. Yeah, listen, I'm fairly shadow banned, so uh, any any extra views and uh, and uh, follows and whatnot are are, for, are appreciated. I've had uh, you know videos deleted and uh, you know things taken down, but I'm on Awakening in Health, A W A K E N I N G in Health, H E L T H, and you can find me on BitChute. You can find me on uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on. Send me a message through, with uh, through uh, my email, which is Dennis D E W N I S at awakeninginhealth.com and uh, I've got some online programs about communication and about how health works and I also do consultations I'm happy to do classes um, to run workshops and whatnot so uh, yeah uh, for anybody who wants to reach out I'm fairly accessible so yeah feel free to get in touch it's a good dude right here man I I know this to be true he's a he's a good he's a good guy reach out to the dude man support his work and uh, go check it out man go see what's going on over there man Dennis Hold on. Don't hang up. Okay. Don't hang up. I, I'll, we, I'll stay on. We, we, we have an announcement to make. So I, I, I don't have everything I need right now, but on September 9th here in New York city, in honor of uh, freeworld.fm, uh, that's the radio station that we are creating, go over to freeworld.fm right now, sign up and we will let you know when we're going to launch live. But in, in honor of that, and in, in celebration of that, we will have uh, the very first Free World NYC conference, and it's going to be amazing. And that that's going to take place on September 9th here in New York City. Charlie Robinson uh, is coming down. You know, I, I talked to the dude and told him, listen, you got to come down. And he will be on freeworld.fm. Uh, Don Jeffries, Tony Arterburn, Richard Gage, uh, John Brissom, Wayne McCroy. Uh, we're all going to be there. Uh, everybody's involved with freeworld.fm and we're going to put on a put on a little show for everybody man tickets are limited it's going to be a very intimate uh, affair uh come down and hang with us we're going to they're going to go on sale sometime next week i'm i'm putting this up we're recording this on a thursday i have to edit it so it'll probably be up sometime on saturday and hold on let me let me get the date here. It's the 15th right now. So it'll be up on the 17th, Lord willing. So uh, a week from the 17th, uh, the tickets will be on sale, Lord willing. 
on the uh, on on future episodes of the Infinite Fringe. I will drop the link. Charlie is going to be promoting, and everyone else, Mr. Gage and and um the guys from America Unplugged. If you go listen to America Unplugged, it'll be on there. Um, so come hang with us. Come say hello. You know, uh, like-minded people getting together, talking about stuff, uh, celebrating freeworld.fm in an honest pursuit of the truth, wherever it may lead, ladies and gents. Uh, come check us out, man. I'm, I'm very excited uh, to meet all of you and 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 uh, to finally meet some of these people that I've been talking to for years and years and years, but I've never met in person like Mr. Charlie Robinson. So that's going to be fun. So right here, New York City, September 9th, Free World NYC. Please keep it on your calendar. Do not forget. All right. We're getting up out of here. Dennis was was excellent today. What a what a it's a hell of a freaking podcast, if I may say so myself. Not because it's my podcast, but because Dennis freaking killed it, in my opinion. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. All right. My name is Billy Ray Valentine, Billy the Kid. You know where to find me, the infinitefringe.podbeam.com and the infinite fringe on Apple Podcast, America Unplugged. Every Saturday, 12 p.m. Eastern on Rockfin and on AmericaUnplugged.com. Do not burn the place down while I'm gone. You take it easy now, all right? Bye-bye. Boom. Oh.